want you to go with me to the book of 1 John tonight. This has been one of the most challenging days to put in my heart to put a message together. And I am not looking to put a message together, but to declare what the Lord has put in my heart. And I believe I'm going to speak, I know I am, uh, very prophetically and apostolically to you, if I could say it like that, because of what the Lord is doing. Now, I wish the house was full. I always do. But I got to trust that we have a core here that God wants to grab a hold of something. So out of the core, out of the core of things, it grows and it builds and it affects the entire church. So in the book of 1 John, uh, 1 John chapter 1, I, I, I'm just going to start uh, with a couple of things here. Uh, this, this, this book is interesting uh, because John starts out, uh, John is talking about three things that God is. He's talking that God is love, God is life, and God is light. He's all three of those things. It just doesn't come from God, it's who God is. God is love, God is life, and God is light. And so through that, John starts testifying that of the things that they have seen, and I'll get down to around verse 5. I don't know where I told you guys to go, Miss Mindy, so just hang with me for a few moments. I gave them a few passages to pull up. But in chapter 1, verse 5, it said, This is the message which we have heard from him, Jesus, and we declare to you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. There's no darkness. There's no shadow. He is absolutely pure, pure light. So when it says that God is light, you and I need to understand a few things what John was trying to uh, relay. First of all, there is no sin in God. There's no sin in Him. There is no wickedness in God. Absolutely none. None. He can't even... He can't even begin to portray any of that. There's absolutely no imperfection in God. Therefore, there's no mistake in the Lord. But I also want to go as to say this, that in God, there is nothing unknown. So if God is light, there's nothing unknown in God. And so in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said this, you are the light of the world. It's the same light that he said that God is. So I have to say to you and I, if we are in Christ, there is no sin in us. If we are in Christ, there is no wickedness in us. Notice how I said that. If we are in Christ, there's no wickedness in us. And if we are in Christ, there's no imperfection in us. And if we are in Christ, there is no unknown. The Bible tells us in the book of, uh, of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, you've heard these passages, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God hath prepared for them that love him. Then it goes on to say, we always stop with that verse, but the next verse says, but we know. Everybody say, but we know. So John keeps telling us who God is. John's telling us he's light. So, and he goes on to say, if we walk in light as he is in light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Everybody say all sin. 
So there's not a thing, if you and I are walking in Jesus, if we're truly walking in light, there's not a sin that you will ever deal with that the blood of Jesus cannot cover and cannot take care of. But, verse 7, everybody say but. But if we walk in the light as he in light, we have fellowship one with another. But if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now it sounds like God is contradicting himself. He tells us if I'm in light, there is no sin. But then he says, if I say I have no sin, I'm a liar in a sense. He goes, if, if, I, if I say I have no sin, I deceive our, myself and the truth is not in us. This is what I believe the Lord is saying. I'm a brand new creation. So are you in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away and everything becomes new. But I live in a sinful world. And that sinful world is pressing in on me every day. And it's resting on me whether I believe it or not. It's there. It's just like this. I may not done much to be sweaty. I sweat more in here than I probably do anywhere else. I may not ever do anything. I may not be playing in the dirt and the mud, but here's the reality. If I don't take a bath once in a while, I am still going to smell because of what is outside of me that's pressing in on me. Now hear what he's saying. I want to help us walk in the fullness of what God is saying. Because tonight I want to talk to you about the fivefold purpose. The fivefold purpose is really the title, but I'm laying a foundation of something. I wish Pastor Val was here tonight, so he's going to have to amen me from home and use your thing, Pastor. Type in, Pastor, do it. All right? And I want this to be judged by you that are scholars in this place. So John goes on to say in 1 John, because God is love, God is light, and God is life. If I'm walking in Him, I'm going to love. Okay, and he says something weird is that passage of Scripture at verse 5 of chapter 2. Let me skip ahead just a bit and I'll come back. He said, but whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. I want to tell you, you know, we've all heard the passage that Jesus used, the second commandment, or the first commandment, you love the Lord with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and spirit, and all that. The second commandment is just like the first, but you shall love your neighbor what as yourself. Here's the reality of all what he's saying here. If your love is not set properly in Christ, you will never fulfill the love that we need for one another. I don't care how much I tell you I love you. If my love life with him is out of whack. And here's how God said we know we love him out of John 14. Because we keep his commandments. Hello? We love him because he said that's my marker that you truly love me. That you're willing to follow me and you're willing to do what I tell you to do. And then out of that... Out of that, we love one another. That's why I said, you shall love me with all your heart, so might, because there's no room for anything else but him. So then he goes on. Let me back up here now to the first part of chapter 2. He said, or at the end of chapter 1, if we say that we have sinned, we are a liar, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Boy, look at that. If you and I are going to keep ourselves from sin, there's something got to happen. You've got to have the word on the inside of you. David said, you're by your word. It's a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. 
David said, your word keeps me from the place. How did he say it in John or Psalms 119? What is that word? Let me think about it just for a moment. A, a, a passage out of that that says something uh, to, 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 oh, what is that? Your word, that's it. Your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Because the word is going to what? It's going to prompt me and tell me I'm not going to sin. It's going to tell me where I'm missing it. It's going to tell me when I need to get out of the way. And Jesus says this, or John is speaking for the Lord through this chapter. Miss Joni, if I do sin, this is what God said. How many of you have used this? I pray this a lot, believe me. He said, my little children, these things I write to you, that you may sin not. But if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is our propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but for the whole, the whole world. What is it, John 1, 9? Oh, let me back up to John 1, 9. That's what I need to see too. He said, if we confess our sin." He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all sin. All through this chapter, John is dealing with us about keeping our lives pure, keeping ourselves out of sin, making sure that we live repentantly. He has forgiven us. He's our advocate. He's paid the price. And the moment you know you blow it, you need to rise up quickly and say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. And you and I need to understand what repentance is. I've talked about this in the last couple of weeks. Repentance isn't just you and I having a change of mind. It is that. That's a big part of it. But repentance also is acknowledging, Lord, I have broken your law. I have broken one of your rules. I have broken your expectation of me. And he said, if you'll do that. He said, I am just to forgive you. I'll remove that quickly. There's a reason he's telling us to stay in a place of a repentant, forgiving heart. Because if we don't, we stand the chance of totally being deceived, of totally being pulled into the world, and totally missing everything that God is revealing to us through his light. Remember, in him, he's light, and him is no darkness. So if darkness is entered in, then somehow the light has been moved out of the way. Are you okay? Because he's telling us how to stay in the flow of everything. Every move of God has been broke down, not because God stopped. I believe it got broke down because man started operating in his own flesh and broke what the Lord was doing. Hmm. So he said, if we confess our sin, that he is faithful and he is just to forgive us of all of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Then there's this passage in uh, uh, chapter 2, this verse in chapter 2, uh, verse, oh my goodness, there's so much. I'm not, I'm not even close to where I want to be yet. Listen, verse 15, he said, do not love the world or the things in the world, for if anyone loves the world... The love of the Father is not in him. Wow, that's a pretty strong statement. He said, do not love the world or, or the things of the world. And if anyone does, the love of the Father is not in He didn't say God doesn't love us. He just says the love of the Father is not operating in you. Your love for the Father is not functioning. For all that is in the world 
is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not is not of the Father, but of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust thereof, but he who does the will of God abides forever. Now notice what he said was all of the world. It's the lust of the eye, it's the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And every one of us is subject to it. Every one of us are subject to it. Because that's what gratifies us sometimes. My flesh, that's even making some of the decisions that we make is because of the lust of the flesh, the lust of our eyes, and the pride of life. And the pride of life. So I think we could all understand the lust of the flesh. Every one of us is pulled. I, I was listening to Mike Murdoch earlier, the man of wisdom. It was an old tape of Mike Murdoch. And he was saying, don't set before you what you don't want in you. Now that's a powerful statement. Don't set before you talking about what's in your face and what's in your eyes that you don't want in you. Because if you set it before you and you're weak, that thing will get on you. And that's why he said, I don't set chocolate cake in front of me. Because he said, I'm trying to lose weight. And he said, I'll tell you right now, I don't have the willpower to overcome it. See, y'all know I've been on this crazy diet for two or three years now, and I don't eat, a, you, you know, there's just a lot of stuff I, I don't eat. It's not that I'm not tempted, and it's not that I would fall on the floor and flop like a fish and pass out, and my head swell up. None of that stuff would happen, or at least I hope not, but uh, none of that would happen. But I said this to Diane because it makes it hard sometimes for Diane to cook at the house because she wants all of this stuff, and I don't want any of it. And she said, why don't you just try something? Why don't you, didn't the doctor say that if you would, you know, we'll get you off all that stuff. We detoxed you. We'll get you off this stuff. And then you could start adding a donut back mat and see if it has an impact. But here's the problem. I don't think the donut would do a thing. But I know what I'd do to the donut. It wouldn't be a donut once in a while. I would do a dozen at a time. Miss Judy likes them. What, what is it, those white things, you know, with the, the cream in the middle of it? Uh, cream horns. I'd go to Walmart and buy a pack of them. How many knows how many's in a pack? Five? I'd eat all of them at one time. It ain't saving them for another day. It's swallowing them whole. That's why I say I know me. So if you don't want it in you, don't put it in front of you. And the pride of life, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of your eyes. See, that's what, the, that's what the enemy came immediately to do. I'll really get myself in trouble. I'll really get myself in trouble. But I'll just be honest. I've said this to my guys. I'll say it to you. You probably won't tip me with alcohol. You can't tip me with drugs. I don't have a, a desire to do that. I probably won't steal. None of that junk. Don't cheat. But you let a pretty face walk in front of me. Now, guys, don't lie. But my head will turn just like any other man. I am. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I mean, the rest of you are going to lie. See, the enemy came with the, the, enemy came with the lust of the eye. 
I'll put something in your eye that will be appealing. Where did David make his downfall? When he was watching Bathsheba bathe in the cool of the evening. He got it in his eye. And the moment he got it in his eye, that thing began to build on the inside of him. Don't put in your face what you don't want on the inside of you. See, I don't think we just get up one day and decide we're going to blow it. It don't work that way. The enemy knows how to set you up. My little mama, when she was with me living, we were in Paducah. She said to me one day at the church, she said, boy, I'm watching you. She was. I'm telling you, that was almost like God talking. And the first thing I thought of was this. What am I doing? Who am I getting close to that I don't even recognize? Or who is getting up in my face? I know Miss Judy over the years has been an elder and a leader of this church. And I don't know how many times that she's talked to my wife about different things that could set up. And not that I'm all that in a bag of chips. But she said, you're being set up. So she would be positioning people to protect me. Hello. And I thank you for it. Because I'm not past if I'm not careful. The enemy catches. I was talking to a pastor today. Don't ever say it won't happen to me. Because you just hadn't been put in the right situation yet. That's why Paul told young Timothy, when you see it, come and run. Don't sit. This isn't going anywhere like I thought. He said, when you see it, come and run. Don't you sit around and entertain it. Listen, David was a warrior and he couldn't beat it. Samson was the strongest man on the planet and a pretty face turned his head and he gave away his secret. Solomon was the wisest man on the earth and the wisest man according to the scripture that's ever been here. But the Bible said he had many strange loves and it turned his heart from following the Lord. See, we got, that's what John is saying. Guys, I got to tell you to stay on top of yourself. Keep yourself. Well, pastor, I didn't do anything. It doesn't hurt to do a heart check today. You don't know who said what. You don't know what was hurt. But then there comes that pride of life because we're in that period of time when the spirit of Antichrist, and I'll show you that in a moment, is roaring through the land and people are being, being affected by that. And now it's about what I think. It's about what I feel. It's about what I want. It's no longer about the heart of God. It's just about what appeases. This is how I see things. You know how you see things may not be God. I had somebody message me something even the last couple of weeks and said, well, this is how I believe things. Well, you can believe it, but it don't make it God because you see it that way. Now, remember, I'm talking about the fivefold purpose. I'm going somewhere if I ever get there. But then he says in verse 18, little children, listen to what he said. This is the last hour. And as you have heard that many antichrist is coming. Even now many antichrist have come. By which we know that it is the last hour. And that they went out from us but they were not of us. And if they had been of us they would have not continued with us. But they went out that they may be made manifest and that none of them were with us. Listen to what the word said. But you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. I've written, I have not written to you because you do not know the truth. But because you know it and that no lie is of the truth. And who is 
And no lie, but who is a liar? But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ, he is the Antichrist who denies the Father, the Son, who denies the Son does not have the Father either, and he who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. I'm, I'm just about done with this chapter. Then he said, therefore, let, let, let that abide in you which you've heard from the beginning. In which you heard from the beginning abides in you. You also will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he has promised us. Eternal life. God life. That's what eternal life is. It's the Zoe. It's the God type of life. These things I have written to you concerning the... Listen to what he says. Concerning those who try to deceive you. But the anointing. Everybody say the anointing which you have received from him, abides in you, and you do not need anyone teach you. Now you need to grab this a minute. You do not need anyone to teach you, but the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true, and is not a lie, just as it taught you, you will abide in him. So what he is saying here is this. First of all, he said there's many antichrists that's already come. And one place, I think it was to the church at Thessalonica, Paul said the spirit of antichrist is already in the earth. So what is the spirit of antichrist? It's everything that opposes God and is contrary to Jesus. Everything that's contrary to you want to know why the world is crazy and mixed up and can't figure out who they are. It's because of that spirit that is in the earth. It's here. And notice what he said. It comes to deceive. Jesus said this in Matthew 24 about the last days. One of the greatest marks of the last days is not what's going on in Russia and in the Ukraine. But the greatest is, I believe, is the spirit of deception that is in the world to deceive the followers of Jesus. He said, if possible, my very elect will be deceived. He says, it's possible. My very, I, that's those that have been in this all their life said, I'm unmovable, I'm unshakable. He said, you better watch yourself. You better watch yourself if you don't keep yourself. You pastor, you mean I got to keep working to keep myself? No, I'm not saying you have to keep working at all. What I am saying, you just got to keep yourself on alert, keep yourself guarded, keep yourself clean. I'm preaching to Zach, all right? Probably more than you guys. We got to keep ourselves clean. But he says the anointing which you have received from Jesus abides in you. You do not need that anyone teach you. Now, let's make sure we're understanding this. He does not say, you don't need me, you don't need any other teacher or any other person in your life. I've heard people, well, the Holy Spirit teaches me. That's not what he's talking about. And if you're falling for that, you're deceived. What he's talking about is when that deception comes because of the Holy Spirit, the anointing on the inside of you, you should have an immediate check. If you are full of light, it will tell you, watch out for this. Don't go there. Stay away from that. That's what he's talking about. The Holy Spirit is going to protect you if you will pay attention. But if you're full of darkness, that's why he said you got to keep yourself clean. 
Because the moment you start getting defiled, you have to understand something. The Holy Spirit in us can be grieved, He can be quenched, and He can be resisted. Hello? Well, He's going to make me stop. No, He isn't. He's going to check your heart, He's going to check your spirit. There's no temptation that's come your way, but such is common to man that God is faithful, that he will make a way of escape for you. I just couldn't help myself. Yeah, you could. Yes, we can. Because the Spirit just let us know. Don't get deceived. Don't fall to the lie. That's why I said, I'll be honest, I've given way when I knew I shouldn't have done it. Because it felt good. It looked good. It tasted good. I got to get into it. And the whole time, the Holy Spirit checking my heart. One time in Paducah, many, many years ago when I was there, I had a lady call me up. They were, you know, a part of the church. And I was at the church then, just a young pastor. And she said, I need you to come by the house. I said, all right, I'll come. You know, I'm being a good young pastor. And boy, as soon as I started out the door, Holy Spirit said, don't you go. Don't you go. You see, Holy Spirit was checking me. I don't need somebody to teach me if my heart is pure, my life is in the light. Holy Spirit is always going to check me. He's going to help me through this. But I still need the other ministry gifts. I need the apostle. I need the prophet. I need the evangelist and the pastor and the teacher, especially for the hour that we are in. Because we're in one of the greatest moves of God that the earth has ever seen. We have been in a a realignment. The whole church world has. Matter of fact, the whole world has been in a realignment. And I believe, Miss Joni, that the move of God that is on the planet, we could go back through history and we could look at this move and look at this move and look at this move. But the move that we're in right now is a movement of the saints where God is going to use ordinary people to do extraordinary things in everyday places. I don't think it's all going to be upon platforms nor will it all be in the church and in order for us to flow in that place we're going to have to keep ourselves in a position of purity a position of the fire of the Holy Ghost that the prophet's been talking to us about and we're going to have to be in a place that we love God more than we love the world more than we love our flesh more than we love our own identity to say God I'm willing to trust you And the whole purpose of the fivefold ministry, one of it is to help direct and make sure that the body of Christ is to stay on track and fulfill what God is saying. Because in these days, not only is God moving, but the enemy's moving like never before as well. So with the same magnitude of voice that God uses, the enemy raises the level of his voice. And you and I are going to have to have a keen ear to discern what properly is God and what is it. The Lord quickened me. I wasn't going to do this. I had to do it quickly before service a little bit ago. And the Lord reminded me, just quickened me to go back and listen to the word from Prophet Aguilar when he was here in March, the first Sunday of March, just a little over a month ago. And uh, I, I usually write all of this stuff down. And I, I honestly, I forgot. I thought I'd done it and I forgot to. So I had to go. I went looking for it and couldn't find it. So I had to write it down. This was a word to me. 
But not only is it a word to me, I believe when God speaks to me, there are times, yes, it's directly to me. But most of me affects this house and affects this region. So I want you to hear what God was saying. You know that God has called us, called you to more than pastor a church. But to oversee a move of God that is beyond our wildest imagination. To oversee something that is so powerful that others will look and say, I didn't think that it could possibly happen. I didn't know God operates that way. The Lord said, prepare, prepare. What have I been preaching, teaching you over the last few weeks about prepare, prepare? The Lord said, prepare, prepare, for you will see the signs and wonders in this house. You will have to overlook and see that which is of me and that which is of the enemy. For he will try to come in and try to deceive many. Listen to the word of the Lord. He will come in and try to deceive many, but understand that, but deceive many, but understand The spirit of wisdom and understanding will rest upon you. You will be able to know that which is of me and that which is not of me. And you will be the one I will use. And I have placed generals at your side who will walk alongside of you. And you will be the one that will be casting out these spirits. And they will leave here from this house. They will leave screaming because of the glory that will be in this house. I've called you to be at this time an instrument of glory. Understand that you and your wife will be instruments that will do a work that this region has never seen before because I'm the God that has set you apart, chosen you from for the time you were you before you were or through the, the time you were little, uh, time before you were ever born. Understand, great is the anointing. Great is the anointing. Now, I didn't read that to point you to me. I read that to you to tell you what God is doing. He said this was going to be a place of his glory, a place of miracles. I listened to the, to the evening message, and I've got to go back and listen to it. Maybe we all need to go back to the first Sunday of March. It's still on Facebook and YouTube, and, and listen to that message again. The prophet said, prepare, prepare, because he said, God said, I can bring in, I will bring in a hundred in one day. And you, you will say, God, is that possible? He said, if I can birth a nation in a day, I can do that. He said, get the nurseries ready. See, we got to hear what God is saying in this hour. If we're not, we're deceived. Well, God's not moving. You're deceived. God's not moving. You're deceived. Because i got to pay attention to what God is saying. But not only that, there was a follow-up message in that. That he spoke over Pastor Val. Listen to what he said. The prophetical voice of God has been put in this house. Listen, church. The prophetical voice of God has been put in this house. The prophetical voice. I speak to this congregation. Listen to the words that come from this man. Do not say, this is just brother so-and-so. No, no, no. This is the anointed of the Lord. A prophetic mantle is upon him. In the days ahead, God is going to show you things that this church is going to have to avoid to stay clear of and things to embrace. He's already been showing you, but there is more to come. Therefore, there's more. There's more, and he's going to show you.
So we need to pay attention to the word of the Lord because there's direction coming. Now, I read those to you because I want to understand, show you the purpose of the fivefold ministry because it's going to work in a measure, I believe, in maturity in the days coming like we have never seen it before. See, most churches operate on a pastor mentality. And everybody that's in the pulpit is a pastor. It doesn't matter. I'm Pastor Zach. But my calling, not by my call, not by my choice, has become more apostolic. And sometimes it messes with me because I'm spending more time talking to leaders outside of here than I'm dealing with things in here. But that's the call upon my life. I'm leaving in the afternoon to be in Springfield to meet with another group of, uh, of leaders there to connect. I had lunch with the leader. I had breakfast with the leader. I've been on the phone with leaders today talking to them about issues through the region. I, I, I can't help that. But yet at the same time, I, I want to shrink back in a sense when somebody says, oh, that's Apostle Zach. But you see, most of the church, that's all we know. I grew up. I grew up where it really wasn't pastor back then. That just became a charismatic language. It was Brother Whitstone. And then when the charismatic movement come in, everybody got tagged pastor. There were basically only three of the, uh, of the well, only two, really, of the fivefold gifts working. You either were a pastor, you were an evangelist, or a missionary. And missionaries weren't put in or tagged as a missionary of the fivefold, although a missionary could be in one of those giftings. You understand what I'm saying? So I want you to go real quickly. It's 802. Give me, just give me 10 minutes and I'm going to land this jet. I, I promise you. Or I'm going to run out of fuel. But no, I won't. I'm not out of fuel. Believe me. He said in verse 19. He said, now therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of faith. Having been built... Uh, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets and Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building fitly together grows into a holy temple under the Lord. And without understanding the fivefold ministry giftings and how they function, we're really not going to seat ourselves the way we need to be seated to become that holy temple. But he said, in whom you are being built. Everybody say, we're being built. Together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Then Paul goes, chapter 3. He said, for this reason, I, the prisoner of Christ, Jesus, for you Gentiles, if indeed you heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given to me, how that by revelation he has made known to me the mystery, as I have, been brief, I have briefly written already, by which when you read it, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, in which, this is a verse you need to pay attention to, which in other ages was not known. It wasn't that it wasn't there. God didn't reveal it yet. It has already been in the heart. Where we are in this move of God in the earth has always been in the heart of God. If we're the final generation on the planet to bring forth the move of God, he said, 
He said, this move of God, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, but as now has been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body, partakers of the promise in Christ through the gospel. Basically, what he was talking about it that day, remember the Jews are the covenant people, but he's saying, God said, I'm opening this up to those heathens out there, and I am bringing all of them in to be a part of that holy dance that you talk about unto the Lord, that God would rejoice over us. Then he said, of which I'm a minister according to the grace of God. Then he says in verse 8, to me who am less than the least of the saints, was this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all men see what is the mystery which was from the beginning of the ages have been hidden in God who created all things through Christ. When he said it was hidden, he said, I just kept it for the right time and I'm going to release it and it's being released because this is what I want to do to the intent that now in the manifold wisdom of God might be known by the church to the principalities and the powers in the heavenly places according to the eternal purpose. I talked about the eternal purpose Sunday morning which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord and he said in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him he said I'm establishing my church upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets then he goes on and he said I'm just going to paraphrase a few things just to tell you He goes on, for this reason I bow my knee before heaven and earth that he would grant to you according to the riches of his glory that you would be strengthened with all might in the spirit in the inner man that that Christ might dwell in your hearts and that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints the depth, the width, the length, and the height and then to know then to know the love of God that passes knowledge and now unto him That is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we ask or think. When is this going to happen? When are we going to see that? I believe Paul is saying as I bring my church together. That's why we're going to see the miracles like we have never ever seen before. This will far surpass anything that Azusa or anything that you've ever read about. Because God said I'm orchestrating my church and I'm using my fivefold ministry gifts. When Jesus before he before he ascended the last thing that he left was these five I'm going to say it like that so don't anybody fact check me and say I missed it he gave gifts unto men he gave graces of himself through the apostle through the prophet the evangelist and pastor and teacher for the equipping of the saints this is about you for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry so we can fulfill what God called us to do so that the body of Christ can keep building and keep coming together and grow up into the fullness of him so you and I just in real quickly real quickly what is the apostles and I this is no means I can't I don't even have time I can't even do it but just to give you in a nutshell for you that don't know an apostle governs prophets guide the evangelist he he gathers it's the pastor that guards and it's the teacher that grounds See, what he said about the pastors, the apostles, and prophets, see, we have to lay the foundation of what we are going to build our lives on. 
and it's the prophets. God said in Amos, I do nothing except I first reveal it through my prophets. So when God sends a prophet, he is foretelling, but he is also bringing forth revelation. What, why do the apostles and prophets work together? Because the apostle being a government man comes and helps establish that to say that this is the truth of God. This is a stone that we need to be building our lives upon. That's why you and I need to be paying attention to what the prophets and the apostles are saying. Are you okay? I know I'm going real quick. We probably need to do a whole teaching on this. But also, through the, through the prophet, they reveal things. What, what, did, what did he say about Pastor Val? The prophetical anointing. I like how he said that. Cracks me up. Makes me smile when I hear it. That prophetical, it sounds like he's a musician. That prophetical anointing is resting upon him. So God shows him something for us. But you could look at Pastor Val. Forgive me, Pastor Val. You could look at him and say, oh, that's just Pastor Val. Or he's just a mean old guy trying to, you know, because that's how some people look. You know, he's just a hard preacher. No, I believe he hears from God. Now, I don't think that everything I hear, I don't think everything, because it all comes through flesh. But this is why the fivefold has to work together. Because we come together to discern and to judge, is this the Lord? Because I could get an error and try to control everything. He could if we're not careful. This is why we have, you'll hear me say, I want you to judge this. I want you to fact check me, but do it from the word, not opinion. Show me from the word of God, because we all got opinions in this place. But then we need the evangelists to keep stirring and to keep reaching. And you evangelists sit in the house, keep doing what you're doing. But then we need the pastors Pastors, where are you? I believe all five of those gifts are working in this house. We're not matured yet, but I believe they're here, and we're going to pull on them, and we're going to get them developed, but we need pastors. Why? Because people need to feel safe. They need to see the shepherd. Sheep get weary without a shepherd. John, Jesus said in John 10, let me, let, me, let me get this down right here with these two. I'm trying. I really am. Jesus said, I'm the door of the sheep. You know what Jesus was saying there? He said, anything that comes before me is a thief and a robber. Because he said, in days of a shepherd, they would literally have an opening, possibly between a stone wall or between hedges. And at night, this is what the shepherd would do at the gate, at the door. He's guarding his sheep. Nothing gets to those sheep without getting through that shepherd. And he said, that's why they feel safe. I'm the door of the shepherd. David said this, Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me lie down. He causes us to be at rest. See, when the world is crazy because we're operating properly and people know they're covered and being watched over, it makes people at rest, even in craziness. Even in craziness. We're going to be okay. Because that's what pastors do. Pastors stroke the sheep. You're going to be okay. Hang in there. You're, you're going to be okay. That evangelist keeps reaching and grabbing them in and bringing them in. That prophet is telling us where we're going. Hey, expect this stuff. Expect this stuff. Matter of fact, let me give you another word about the prophet. He said to Timothy, he said to war a good warfare 
with the word of prophecy that came upon you. Now, yesterday I was at the hospital with Danny and Marilyn. So was Pastor Val and Sherry, me and Diane, and their kids were there. And Miss Marilyn, when the doctor came in, gave them this ugly report. They said, we're not accepting that. And she said, Steve Sampson said, through the Spirit, that we're going to live a long life and we're going to, you know, have fun. Okay? Now, she could have blowed that off. Who's that crazy Bob Newhart-looking character? But see, that's why God gave us the Word. He said in 1 Timothy 1.18, By prophecy do we war a good warfare. You take it and keep that word. God, you said this. God, you said this. He said in Isaiah 45, 11, command ye me of the work of my hands. Got to get the teacher in there. The teacher helps ground the people. Because there's people that don't understand. So we, the teachers, take the word of God and break it down and make it palatable where people can receive it and grow up with it. Listen, it's not to impress everybody with the knowledge. It's helping people get solid. We got a world of believers in the church that can't even stand and have no foundation. Because we've missed it. We think teachers are boring because they don't jump and shout like maniacs. Hello? You know, especially if you come up in Pentecost, you haven't had church if you had spit run and bobby pins flew everywhere. Matter of fact, when we just have teaching sessions, it changes whether people come. Ah, you know, they're just teaching the Word. But you and I need the grounding of the Word, and it takes all of us. And it's not a teacher speaking a different message than what the apostles and prophets have laid out. But it's all of us speaking and declaring the same thing and working together. That's my challenge. Guys, all of you that are gifting, and whether it's in your homes or whether it's here in the church, when you... Let's think about the things that we are saying. I know I want you to hear from God. I never, the only person I think I, I said to Ladon when I asked him, hey, brother, will you speak for me? I came back to him and I said, no, I don't really want, I, this is what I want you to do. I want you to tell your story. We need to hear your story, not another message. But he preached good in the middle of it too. Because that's who he is. But I told him what I wanted out of him. Very seldom does that happen. Because, see, my wife tells me, you just surface stuff. And I do. I don't break everything down. I don't get it always down to where it's palatable. But I got teachers in this room that can take that word, break it down, and get it where we can feed on it. And just because you thought you heard it last Sunday, I promise you, you need to hear it again. That's why we go back and rehearse. Thank God for the technology that we have. But this is, a, this is the movement of the saints. And God's going to use ordinary people to do extraordinary things. I heard the prophet say this in, in Poplar Bluff. I'm saddened because people have to drive miles to find the move of God. When my desire is that it is in every house throughout the region. And I was reminded today, Miss Judy, of a word from Damon Thompson many years ago where he said, I saw all over the city and region, he said, I see, I see campfires. Because this thing is supposed to be in every home. That means your home being that move of God. Come on and stand with me. I'm done.
Thank you, Father. Thank you, God, for your goodness, your grace. Thank you. I pray tonight, Father, that you would take this word and that you would seal it into their hearts and their lives. That, Father, we don't miss a beat and we don't miss a thing in this hour. And we are not deceived and overtaken. So, God, I thank you that our greatest days are here now. I thank you that we're going to see this place bubbling with the flow of God like we have never seen According to your word, God, that we can't even imagine it. Not weeks or not years from now, but I believe now. In the name of Jesus, because you said it. And I'm expecting it every time we come together. God, I thank you that lives are going to be transformed. Hearts are going to be changed. And the fire of God on these altars and in the altars of our heart are getting brighter and hotter. You said you were going to bring the fire hotter than the, than the furnace that Nebuchadnezzar used for the, uh, the, the children of God. That you're going to heat it up far greater. So, Father, I thank you that you're heating up your altar. God, that the flame is getting brighter and your glory is being revealed. I give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good night, everybody. God bless you.